driver with lots of grace in your life. Get one of those. Uh, well, good morning, Bloomsday. You guys are a good-looking group. Thanks for being here. Either you guys are really fast or you, you're going to run at the full marathon next weekend. Is that right? A lot of full marathoners? Okay. I do have a question, though. How many have ran Bloomsday in here? Look at that. Impressive. How many have run a marathon? I know Bob Field. You have. Excellent. Joyce, you have. Great. Barb's run one. Excellent. And how many Ironmen? Any Ironmen? Any crazy Ironmen people? Okay. Now, I'm actually surprised at this. How many have never run Bloomsday? That is amazing. You've never run Bloom, never gone? That is amazing to me, the amount of people. I thought, like, most people in Spokane had, and I'm finding out that's not the case. There's a lot of people that are like, eh, I'd rather be at church. Well, praise Jesus. I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see that. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about Bloomsday. It's called Fit for Bloomsday. I thought it'd be an appropriate title. Um, we, for those of you that need to, uh, would run Bloomsday, you know, it takes a little bit of training. It takes work. It's seven miles of, of running, walking, going through thousands of people. It takes endurance to get to the finish line. If you start any race, you pay for it, you start it, you don't get the t-shirt until after you've completed it. If you just start it and start walking, you pay for it, say, hey, I paid for it. A, a good race, you don't get the t-shirt until after you're done. The prize comes at the end. So the, uh, we, and also the joy of finishing the race comes at the end. Anybody can start a race. It's finishing that is what, where it's fun at. And as I've read through the Bible over, especially in, the, for, in our reading journal, in the last part of the year, over and over and over again, it comes up with, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I uh, doing something goofy? I'll keep going, okay. So, uh, so what I've discovered is I was reading through it over and over again. The Bible talks about enduring to the end. And I thought, that is, that's weird. Enduring to the end. What just seemed interesting to me. In fact, I noticed that seven times in the New Testament, it says, if we endure to the end, we will be saved. Or if we endure to the end, we will be blessed. And how many know if you say seven times to your children something, you want them to obey? You want them to get it? So in my house, if I have to say seven times, go do your homework, by the seventh time, they have stopped listening, and now the tension in my house has escalated. If God is saying to us seven times, if you endure to the end, he really thinks it's important, and he really wants us to do that. So we, we want to endure to the end. In fact, uh, there's one book in the Bible that spends a lot of time talking about enduring to the end. It's, in fact, it's the book of Revelation. So we think of the book of Revelation as the end of time and the end of the world and all these codes and signs. Basically, one key verse in it is chapter 13, verse 10, and it says, here is a call for the endurance and faith of the believers. So in my opinion, Revelation is about enduring to the end for believers. And if you want to hear more about it, you should have came to the class that ended on Wednesday about Revelation. You missed out. See a friend who was there. But Revelation is about enduring to the end and, and, and hanging on to Jesus and believing in Jesus no matter what comes about. That's the whole book of Revelation. Over and over again, this theme comes up. So we're going to talk about endurance today. But before we talk about endurance, I need to make sure 
something that I feel comfortable talking about, and that is, I don't want to get to this point and have somebody say, oh yeah, we, Isaac said we can be saved just by working hard. Before I talk about our responsibility, let me make sure I all, that I say it so that somebody doesn't misquote me later. The way that we are saved is not by how we endure, how great a person we are. The only way we are saved is that what Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So I'm going to be talking about our responsibility, but I want to make sure that I communicate up front that we don't earn or work hard at making it to heaven. That's not our job. God has already given us, by his free gift, grace. And we, he, we have a relationship with him because of him. We don't earn it. We, we try, there's things we can do to improve that relationship, and, and we work hard in that, and that's our responsibility. But at the end of our life, there's not a scale that says, did he make it or not? Oh, I think he barely made it. Revelation again says, at the very end it says, there are two books. One is this idea of scale, and if your name's in that one, you're not making it if you're trying to get in by good works. The other book is the book of life, and if your name's in there, it doesn't matter what you did, you're good. You made it. Now, that said, we do have a lot of responsibility in that. We have some responsibility, but we don't earn our way to heaven. It is a free gift. I want to make sure I say that before I talk about what our responsibility is this morning. So, we, ha- we do—it's a free gift, and we're saved by that. But we do have to endure to the end. In fact, in Mark 13, 13, Jesus is talking, and he says, he says, and you will be hated by all for my namesake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Well, that's good news, isn't it? You will be hated by all for my namesake, but he who hangs in there will be saved. I don't read that and say, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for, I'm just, I can't wait to be hated. I want to endure. What's going on here is Jesus is talking He's teaching about the end of the world. He's asking, and he's saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he says, when you get to the end of your life, if you've, if you've believed in me, if you endure, that's what you're going to be saved. So we know uh, that being, that following Christ is a blessing. But does anybody know people who started off loving Jesus? You couldn't kick him out of the church. They were here. They were here. Time was, door open. Everything was great. And now you look around and you say, boy, that person— That person needs Jesus. They are far, far from Jesus. And you wonder what happened. They didn't endure to the end. They didn't hang in there. They didn't didn't build up the endurance it needs. At my kid's school, they have an after-school program the last two months called Fit for Bloomsday. And what it is is from 3.10 until 4 o'clock, these kids are running around the field so that when they made it to this morning, when their families go to Bloomsday at seven miles, they've been building up the endurance. There's work that goes into it. If you just show up and try to run seven miles and you haven't run a block in 20 years, there's going to be a problem. You're not going to make it. There are things that you need to do to, to prepare for these things. And life is like that. So what does it mean to endure? Let me give you a couple of definitions. Endurance. To endure means to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. Or to tolerate someone or something. That one makes me laugh. Tolerate someone or something is to suffer. Or the word endurance is similar to it. The fact or power of enduring or bearing pain or hardships. Or the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions at stamina. 
So when we're enduring something, it's not easy. Two days ago, Katie made chocolate chip cookies, and I didn't endure eating four cookies yesterday. I didn't say, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just ate those gladly. Eating cookies is not endurance. Eat, watching our favorite television show is not endurance. We just sit and relax, and that's, that's, that's easy. Endurance is that 15-hour car ride with your four kids, and your DVD player goes out. That's endurance. There, or, or going to the—we just finished the holidays a few months ago. We were kind of good for a while. But endurance is going to spend time with that crazy Aunt Sally who you know she's going to say some inappropriate things and, and say stuff to your kids, and it's going to be messed up. That's endurance. Endurance is stuff that—it doesn't—it's not as fun, but it still is important. It still is good. And it's tough for me to, to, to talk about the idea of living a, a life of a Christian as enduring because it, just, it takes away some of the joy, in my opinion, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, but there, Jesus does say, he who endures. These are Jesus' words. He's talking about this idea of enduring. And so we talk about, I want, let me read a passage of Scripture here for you. Um, uh, let's see. The... The idea that people who, who don't follow Christ anymore, they were, they didn't endure. I'm reminded of a parable of the sower. Do you guys remember the parable of the sower? Jesus says, uh, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven is like somebody who, there's some seed and it sprouts up a little bit, but then some birds come and take it. Or the kingdom of God is like some seed that sprouts up and it's in rocky ground and it doesn't really take it. So there's some initial signs of fruit or, or maybe some thorns come and choke it out. But somebody who endures to the end, they come in, and no matter what's going on, no matter what the weather is, there are roots and there's fruit. That's the kind of person that I want to be. I want to see fruit. I want to see stuff coming in my life. And there are, unfortunately, a lot of people who sprout up. It looks good, and then it goes away. And, and I don't think there's anyone in this room who would say, I'd like to be that guy. I want to be the guy that looks good for about a, a year, and then no one hears from me ever again. No one wants that. We want to see fruit. We want to see life-sustaining process. We want it to be long-lasting. So how do we get there? Uh, when I think of a endurance, I think of Bloomsday. I think of a marathon. And there are things that I'm going to correlate to a race because I, I did run a marathon. And I did it, and I, I hate talking about it because this isn't the point of the message, but I think it's a good analogy. A marathon is an analogy for a Christian life. Paul talks about running a race with endurance and going. There's a lot to it. So we, we, it's, it's not just a quick, quick sprint from here to the back of the wall. It's a long process. So how do we do that? How do we endure? How do we, when we get to the end of our life, have Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant? There's a great passage of Scripture that talks about this. It starts in Hebrews chapter 10, goes through Hebrews chapter 12. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, um, but it's worth looking at. I want to read one verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. The writer says this, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We want to get to the point where we receive the promise, where we see, have, them, have God say, well done where we do receive the fruit that comes from our lives, where people around us are coming to know Jesus, where we have peace, we have joy, we have the things that we need. We want to get to that point. Immediately following this passage, Hebrews 10, 36 through 39, right after that list, 
is chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, which are the greatest people to ever live. Abraham, Moses, Sarah, Enoch, Daniel. All, there's a whole list of people and, and their faith and what they did to endure. So the writer says, you need endurance. Here's the people that did it. Here's how they did it. And here's how they did it is in chapter 12. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning is in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then we'll stop and talk about it, and we'll read a little bit more and talk about it, okay? Here's Hebrews 12, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten... And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. All right. So there's, this, there's lots of things going on in this verse, and you guys want to get out today. So we're going to uh, just hit some of the highlights. Uh, what he says here is there's, a, there's these witnesses that have gone before us. And th these witnesses are the people in chapter 11 who have run. Again, it's, a, it's the hall of faith, they call it. And these guys, it... it it, I almost picture it like they're rooting us on, where we can look at them and, and we can be encouraged by them. And when I ran the Portland Marathon, one of the best things about the marathon is your name is on your bib, and as you're running, you're running and somebody's yelling out, Go, Isaac! Go! Go! And you're like, Who, Who's rooting me on? And all of a sudden, you get a boost. You get encouraged by somebody. And that, that's what I'm reminded of. Is, is people, as you're running your race, you need encouragement. And that's what this Bible does. We look at it and say, Oh, I needed that today. So that's, that's one thing that I wish we could spend more time on, uh, but we're not going to do that today. But we, we do see that there. The first point, though, that I want to mention is lay down that weight. So it says, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so close. So there's a word here, the word race shows up, and it says, let us run with endurance the race. There's the, uh, the word race in Greek. Now, I know when I normally when people say that, they think, oh man. But look at this. The word race in Greek is, is pronounced agon. Say agon. What word does that sound like? Agony? The word race, we get the word agony from the Greek word race. Some of you guys are like, I knew it. I knew it. I had no doubt. There's no spiritual point. I just thought it was interesting. Anyway, the... Um, the so we have this race, and we need, to, we need to lay down these weights. When you run, if you think of these marathoners, what are they running? Where are they, what are they wearing? They're barely running, wearing clothes. Or the, or the sprinters in the Olympics, these guys are wearing spandex stuff, inappropriate. I don't care how, how cut they are and how they're—it's it's weird. My brother-in-law, <clears throat> bless him, he is a, he's a long-distance runner— and he wears some of the shortest shorts. And we like have to hide in my kid's eyes when he's running. It's weird. <clears throat> but why do these guys wear such loose and small clothes? Because they don't want all these. It's tough to run in jeans and a shirt or a suit. Or imagine what Paul and these guys, they would have wore robes. And it would have been difficult. And he's saying, lay aside these things, weights, clothes, 
and then he, then he uses the spiritual, these sins that cling so close. So if we're going to run for Jesus, what is it that is hindering you from running to Jesus? What is it that's clinging so close that you just get all tangled up and you get distracted and it's causing you problems and you can't run well? What is causing you to run not very well? What's hindering you? There are a couple of things. There's a couple of things that I want to mention today. First of all, there's just the life stuff. I'm not talking about sin, but just stuff happens where it's tough to, to follow Jesus because we're busy. It seems like life gets busier and busier and busier. I heard, I read an article recently where 50 years ago, they said that if, with all the technology, we would hardly be working because of all the computers and all the stuff that was coming. Instead, it's like the complete opposite. Now we have s- such freedom. We have so many—we can go mobile that we never stop working. We can pick up our phone and do all kinds of stuff with our phone, and we're constantly working. So instead of working less, we're working more, and we're more distracted when we're with our families. So there's things that keep us busy more consistently. More and more just seem to be picking up. And I think that's just a distraction that's clinging to us so that we can't follow Jesus. So it's distracting us and ter- pulling us down, saying, no, God wants us to run free, and we're, and we're getting bogged down by uh, work, our, our kids' schedules. Remember the old days when there wasn't sports on the weekend or on Sundays? And now that's the big day for sports for a lot of these leagues. Bloomsday is great. I'm not—I think Bloomsday is awesome. It's worth doing. You should do it once if you're able— and that's not the point if we miss once or twice. But if you can't come to church from January until September because your kid is in a soccer league or a baseball league or something, then we have to start wondering, is that clinging to you so that you can't run with Christ freely? Or there are sin issues. There are things that hinder us that we keep stumbling over and we keep, we keep going back to it. And it's just stopping us and getting us frustrated. And... and and if there's something coming to your mind, that's probably the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Because as I was praying for this and thinking about this, I was praying for you saying, Lord, bring to mind those things that are entangling us. What's keeping us from running with you? So if things or people are popping to your mind, hopefully that's the Holy Spirit saying, I want this area in your life to be set free. There is um, there's this hope this idea that a lot of people have that a pastor will come up to you and say, knock it off! You need to! And then all of a sudden, you're set free. I've learned that sin doesn't work that way, though. I can't just say, oh, I'm gonna stop being prideful, and then I'm done with pride for the rest of my life. I, I don't know about you, but sin, I just, I'm, maybe I'm not mentally strong enough. There's a lot of people that say, you can do it. Just put your mind to it. There are some things that are just beyond my mental strength and, and, and will. But it's not beyond Jesus. It's not beyond Jesus. We can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to be set free, and he will set us free. And I also think that sometimes we think we can do this on our own, and so the Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of our sins. And in our style of belief. We don't really talk about confessing sins. I just confess my sins to Jesus and that's good. But there is something about confessing our sins to somebody that we know and love. And they then can hold us accountable. So there's people in my life where if I'm struggling with stuff or they have problems, we talk about it and then we say, we talk every couple of weeks, how's this going? 
how you doing? You straightening up? And I say, no, I need prayer. Or, whew, I, I, was, I had some problems, but I knew I was going to be talking to you. And so it helped me encourage. That's why we do life together. That's why we're in converge groups. So that you have somebody who can pull you along and help you and train with you and run with you. Because when you're running with somebody, it's a lot easier. When I did this marathon, I ran, I started off the idea with running with somebody who's going to be renamed, he's going to be nameless, but he's married to my sister. He's a great guy. And um, he, uh, he, we signed up together, but he didn't train. He did not train at all, at all for a marathon. And so he ran, I don't know how he did it, but he ran stride for stride with me for 13 miles. But after 13 miles, he couldn't do it anymore. And the first 13 miles was a breeze for me. No problem at all. But man, when I didn't have somebody by my side running with me, it got awfully painful. And he was way back there. He said he was walking like a grandpa. He couldn't do it. And there's lots of spiritual lessons in training and all that stuff. We'll talk about that later. But when I, was, when I didn't have somebody to run stride by stride with me, it got really difficult. And my family was keeping track of me. And oh yeah, he's doing great. He's meeting his goals. He's doing good. And all of a sudden they're like, man, he hasn't had a checkpoint for a while. What happened to him? I didn't have somebody stride for stride with me. When we have somebody we can confess our sins to and say, hey, pray for me, life just helps us go better. We can run freer. So if you have something that's clinging to you, talk to somebody about it. Yes, it's difficult, but it is better to experience that difficulty than getting stuck in your sin and in your, in your clothing and, and your weight that's entangled you. Talk to somebody about it. Confess it to Jesus. Jesus can set you free this morning. So uh, that's point number one. Lay down your weight. Number two, look to Jesus. This seems so obvious. Look to Jesus. I mean, that's, that's why, we, obviously, we need to look to Jesus. There's this, we showed it on a Sunday morning about a year or so ago, where there's this Japanese marathon, and it's at the end, and this guy, he's in the lead. Maybe you remember it. He is running, and he's following the video truck in front of him. And he's running down that line. He's going for it. He is in the lead. And there's like an intersection. So he has an intersection and then the tape. And he's running. And the video truck, it has to turn so that it doesn't go through the finish line. Well, the guy's running. And he's watching the truck. And he turns down the intersection. And the people pass him. And he realizes what happened. But he ends up finishing like third or fourth. And this guy was winning the marathon. But he took his eyes off of the, the finish line and he kept his eyes on what was in front of him. He was looking at the wrong thing. I wonder if sometimes we look at the wrong thing. We, we look at things that are good. We look at moral behavior. We look at how, what, how we think, whatever. But we miss Jesus. We miss Jesus. So Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 says this. Looking to Jesus, the founder, founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So it says, looking to Jesus and consider him. Let's think about it. What did he do? Hebrews says, that he endured the cross. So we need to look at Jesus. What did he do? How are we going to do this? He endured the cross, despising the shame. So what did that look like? What he's saying is, Jesus went through the most gruesome, 
horrible death, he endured that whole process for us. He was the Son of God. He did not have to come to earth. He did not have to live in a poor, insignificant town like Nazareth. He didn't have to go through 33 years of his life. He didn't have to go through 30 or for three years of ministry where sometimes there were some really cool things happening. And other times there were some people that were just difficult. And then that last week of his life, which we talk about all the time and rightfully so, where he suffered greatly. Those last few hours where he, his body was broken and beaten. He suffered all of that. He hung on a cross in the middle of the busiest intersection outside of Jerusalem so that people could walk by and make fun of him. He was mocked. He was made fun of. As passerbys are coming, they see Jesus basically naked, hanging on a cross like a common criminal. And this is God. He endured all of that for us. He did all that for us. It was a shameful, painful way to die, and yet he did it. It says he considered, he he endured from sinners hostility. And it says, if you can do this, he says, we think about this so that you may may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So if you are weary or faint-hearted, it says, think about what Jesus did. What I think is often lost is the humanity of Jesus. We, we know he is the Son of God, so we give him superhuman powers, uh, like, can, could, Jesus, here's a, could Jesus dunk a basketball? He was 5'9", or, or you know, he's probably 5'2 to 5'9-ish. Could Jesus dunk a basketball? I guess the question is, who cares? But the, the idea is, I don't, we, we, we think, oh yeah, he could have done 360, triple, I mean, we just describe these things that really, he, he was still human. And sometimes when I'm thinking about Jesus, I forget that just as much as he was God, he was also very human, completely human, and was, had experienced the pain, the shame of some of these things. And we forget that. And yet he, he endured all of that for our sake. And so Hebrews, the writer says, look what Jesus went through. Think about that. Because if he did it, there's hope for you. You didn't go anywhere near what he had to go through. You can do it. Hang in there. Jesus did it. He's with you. Don't grow weary. Don't grow faint-hearted. Keep going forward. We keep our eyes on Jesus because he went through life just like we are. It wasn't easy for him. And, and he was a son of God. Hang in there. He can do it. Whenever we get discouraged or weary, we can look to Jesus because he went through the same thing. Hebrews is a great book because what it tells us is that we don't have a God who doesn't know what it's like to be one of us. All these other religions, during, especially during this time, had these superhuman gods, and it was crazy. But we have a God that lived life like us. It is very unique and and worthy of our worship. We need to continue to look to Jesus. Thirdly, is receive the discipline. If you guys thought this was uplifting, hang on, we're going to get some discipline now. Here we go. This is verse 4 through 11 in Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you, may endu- that you have to endure. 
God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Honestly, this one caught me off guard. When I was thinking through how am I going to endure, I didn't expect to see discipline. I didn't expect to see that. But the Bible is very clear that if we are going to continue on, we need discipline. And there's two different types of discipline that, that are, are just kind of different in connotation to us. Uh, there's that one kind that you get from your father that you, you know the discipline I'm talking about. The difficult, uh, and I, I'm guessing in this room there wasn't a lot of, we're going to put you in time out kind of discipline. There wasn't a lot of that around here, the, the new style. Um, I mean the kind of discipline where it's, it's going to be difficult. The it's not easy kind of discipline. And maybe there's a few of you out there wishing that some of the people now would have received more of that kind of discipline instead of the timeout. Maybe our, be- our life would be a little easier. Um, but a good father spends most of his time loving, encouraging, teaching, sharing with their children. But a good father also knows when he needs to bring discipline and correction. And that's what I think the Bible's talking about here. There are times where God is saying, you're a little, you're a little off balance here. God does encourage. He does build up. The Word does that. But a good, if, a, if a father only blessed and, and gave gifts and poured out, poured out all kinds of love and affection and never corrected... Even in the, oh, hey, I think you forgot to carry the one here. That's correction. That's the easy correction. It starts off like, hey, can you put away your, can you put away your dirty clothes? Put those in the dirty clothes hamper. That's correction. You can say it, love. But sometimes children, at least in my house, and I have amazing kids, sometimes it takes a little bit more than, hey, can you be sure to put your dirty clothes away? It takes a little bit more. I have to ramp up the intensity a little bit to really start, uh, in really encouraging them in a loving, disciplined manner that we're gonna, they need to put their dirty clothes away. And God, God does that for us. I hear several pastors uh, talk about how the goal for church is to walk away encouraged. People need to be encouraged. Yes, they do. That is absolutely true. But if you come to church and you've never, in 20 years of being here, said, whew, I think, I think God corrected me. I need to adjust my living here a little bit. If you haven't been corrected, then sometimes the sermon always, it isn't always about your neighbor. Sometimes the sermon should be for you too, and you should a- apply some of that correction. If you're thinking, I wish this person is hearing this, you're thinking incorrectly. <laughs> it applies to all of us. We need to apply some correction, and there, it is important that we come here and encouraged. But a good father also says, you're a little out of balance here. Let's bring some discipline to that. And so there's some discipline, and that's what it says. There, is, there are some times we need corrected. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
And it's in those times where we're reading the Bible, we're coming to church, or a friend says, hey, I think you're a little out of line here that we really need to listen and, and, and receive the discipline that God is giving to us. We do need to feel convicted sometimes by the Holy Spirit saying, you're out of line here, lay off these weights. We need to, we need to receive that. I also think, though, there's the kind of discipline that we need to build into our own life where it's we're doing something, we're disciplining ourselves. So like, again, if you're going to go to Bloomsday today, you didn't just show up at the start line today. Hopefully you're walking or running or doing something or you're going to get hurt or you're not going to make it to the end. We need to build in our lives this discipline that, we, that helps us get to the end. So if the only time you come to church is Christmas and Easter. You, don't, you never read the Bible. You never do anything church-related except Christmas and Easter. It's going to be difficult to endure to the end. There are things we need to build into our lives, like reading the Bible, reading our life journal. I don't say that because I'm the pastor hammering into you. I say it because it's important. It's, it's life-giving. If you want to endure to the end, come to church. Get in a small group. All these things are disciplines that we, de- that we need to do to endure to the end. It is work. When I first started running about, oh, I don't even know, four or five years ago, I was about 40 to 50 pounds overweight, and I said, something's got to give. I'm out of clothes. I, I preached about this a while ago. I was out of clothes. We didn't have a lot of money for me to spend clothes because I was eating too much. And so it was, I'll save money by eating less and not buying new clothes. And so I started running. And honestly, I just started off at two miles a day, but it was just something. And the first few times, was painful. It wasn't all that fun. I didn't get off the treadmill saying, "Woo, glory, that was awesome. I thought, man, that was difficult. But after several months, guess what happened? I started to enjoy it. I ran a race, and I don't know how, but I, well, I know how, because I had my brother running with me. My brother was with me. We ran the race. I got third place, and I thought, hey, this is fun. I like this. So I, I built in some discipline. It wasn't all that great, I got tested by a race and thought, "Woo, I like this. It was life-giving. And so then I started doing it more and more. And now running is a great joy. I I love it. I I look forward to it. The same can be related to the Bible and coming to church or whatever your spiritual discipline is, prayer. It isn't, if you're you're just now starting, don't say, I'm going to go home and read the whole New Testament by four o'clock today. That's going to be difficult. If you're going to say, I'm going to get up at three in the morning and pray for two hours before I go to work, it's just, you need to build up. You need to build up to it. You need to start start small. And it's not easy. It's not fun when you're starting. But then you look back six months later and say, oh, hey, I like this. This is good. And there are some days that are painful. Some days you just run out of time or you, you try to just exercise a little bit just to get it in just read your bible and you're just checking off the list basically it's difficult but stay disciplined in it because in the end you'll look back and say oh yeah i've grown look at how far i've gone your prayer life will be better your your what you're getting out of the bible will actually be god speaking to you and you'll understand it you won't need me coming up here all the time saying stuff you'll you'll get it for yourself every day it's life-giving and it starts by being disciplined we think sometimes we just need to start and start right away. I remember when my daughter started walking. When she, when she started walking, my, she's my oldest, so she started walking and she fell down. You know what I didn't do? I didn't say, oh, come on, kid. Pick yourself up. You can do this. Pull it together. 
I didn't do that. Guess what I did? I picked her up, set her up, said, let's try it again. Let's do it. Come on, walk to me. Walk to me. And when we do things like read the Bible, pray, sing in church, come to church, we think that God's up there if we don't do it saying, pick yourself up. This is embarrassing. You call yourself a Christian. He's not. He's saying, come on, you did it. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Do it again. You failed this time, do it again. But he's not some ogre of a God. He's a good father who's rooting for us, saying, try it. So if you haven't read your Bible in a while, if you haven't really listened and take, if you're just checking off your time here at church, listen. God wants to share with you some stuff. We need to stay disciplined. We do that in our own lives. That's how we endure to the end. Also, quickly, the, we, some of us have been doing these things for a long time, and some of us are saying, I'm way past that. If the sooner we get, get going, the better. If we, yeah, if you haven't invested money in your teens, maybe you would have been a millionaire by now, but start now. Even though it's too late, it's better than in 20 years when you're looking saying, I've got nothing. Start building some of that discipline in now. It'll pay off years down the road before you even realize. I better get to my other points. Um, Point number four. This comes in verse 14. And this one also surprised me again as I'm doing as I'm reading through it. Verse 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So as we're looking for endurance, I wasn't expecting to see peace in there. I wasn't expecting someone to say, Hey, you need to try to be peaceful with the people around you. I just wasn't expecting that. And so I thought I'd bring it to your attention. If you are constantly in conflict with all kinds of people, try not to be. Knock it off. I said that I wouldn't do that, but I did this time. Be, uh, strive for peace as best as you're able to. Sometimes it's just going to be difficult. There's just difficult people out there. Don't be that difficult one. Strive for peace. Do what you can. That doesn't mean get walked over, but strive for peace. The last point is say yes to God. In Hebrews, I don't have it in my notes, but in Hebrews 12, verse 25 it says this see that you do not refuse him meaning God who is speaking for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven again it seems really easy but sometimes we're sitting there going you know God this just doesn't make sense I'm not into that I'm good he say no say yes there's a song that says I'm not going to sing it. You don't want me. And no one wants that. But it says, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes. When I was a teenager, I remember sitting in that other building over there saying, I'm not really sure I know what I'm saying yes to, so I'm just going to hold off. I'm going to wait on this. I don't know. Before I commit anything to Jesus, I'm just going to say, what do you need? Hold on. The older I get, the more I say, you know what, Lord, I I trust you. You want what's good for me. And so whatever it is, I will say yes. It doesn't mean it's easy to do, uh, but that sure is my goal. When we say yes to God, whether that means forgiving someone, stop worrying about something, go somewhere, trust me in this, if we say yes, we'll see the good fruit that, we're, that he's talking about. Paul says in Philippians 3.14, but I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He, he's going to keep going. He's going to endure. He's going to keep running for the prize. He wants the fruit, the joy, the peace that happens on this life. And he also wants that prize that happens at the end of the life, at the end of life, when Jesus says, it's good to see you. 
I've been waiting here for you for a while. So when we run a marathon, when I ran the marathon, I did it for, I, I actually did it to, for several reasons. One, health. Two, I want to see if I could do it. I thought there'd be some spiritual implications, and I was right. There's a lot of spiritual things in there. There, we had to have some goals. I had to start training. I had to instill these exact things that I'm talking about. I had to shed 40 pounds. I had to lose a bunch of weight to get in shape for it. I had to stay focused on my goal. So when my goal was 26.2 miles, I needed to stay focused on that. When I was running, I needed to remember, even if it was painful, no, I, I'm, I've got a lot further I'm going to have to go in a few months. I need to keep going. When we are Christians, we need to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is painful right now, but I'm going to keep heading towards you. I'm going to run to you. I'm going to keep going. We, then we still discipline. Some of these things like for, for the people doing Bloomsday, they had to run. They had to eat right. They had to do the right things. They had to instill discipline. We need to do that as Christians too, and I had to do that as a marathon runner for that one time. Um, and also, we want to get to that prize, right? So that's why I wore this shirt. You're thinking, man, he's awfully casual today. You better believe when I finished that finish, when I crossed that line, I was thinking, where's my t-shirt? It was the Portland Marathon, so they also gave me a Douglas fir tree that I was supposed to plant. It's Portland. You know, what are you going to do? They also gave me this medal. You better believe I was looking for this medal because I had just run a long ways. And then do you know what I was looking for? I was looking for my family. I was saying, where are you? My, my parents were there. My sister and brother-in-law, my brother was like 13 miles behind me, but he was there. Um, my in-laws were there. I was looking for my family. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be doing something similar. We're going to get our prize from Jesus. And we're going to say thank you. And we're going to be proud in a healthy way of it. And we're also going to be saying, where's my family? And they're going to be there. What a great day that will be. We want to continue to endure. It is worth it. If we look back today from where you were 15 years ago, wouldn't you say it was worth enduring to get to this point? It's not easy. We don't endure with great joy. We don't say, oh yes, I can't wait to go through all that. No, but we keep hanging on. We keep enduring. We keep going. And in the end, we say, Jesus, thank you. We get that prize. We, have, we are blessed. We serve a great God. So today, if we are tangled up in life, if we are distracted, if we've lost discipline, I just want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for all of us that we continue to endure because it isn't always easy, uh, but we serve a great God and we will get that t-shirt someday soon. We'll finish that race. Stand with me. We're going to close in prayer. Jesus, we are greatly blessed. What I love in this passage is that these are things that you've experienced. You have endured greater hardship than we could ever imagine. And you say in your word that if we think about that, we can keep going. If we think of your word, we can keep enduring. Lord, I ask that you would give strength to those who are weary and faint-hearted today. Those who are tired, give them strength today. Give them hope and joy that can only come from you. Lord, for those weights, those sins that are clinging to them, maybe life activities that are clinging them and holding them back, Jesus, speak to them right now and give them ways that they can get rid of that. Lord, free them from their sin today. Free them from their pride, from their arrogance, from their lust, from their greed. Lord, break it today. You've come to set captives free, your word says. We need you. Lord, keep us focused on you. 
There are so many things that get us distracted. But I ask, Lord, that you would remind us every day of your greatness, your magnificence. We love you today in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great Bloomsday. It's supposed to be awesome. Put on sunscreen. Have a great week. We'll see you guys.